Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's worship the Lord this morning. When the Lord lifts his love in our hearts, let's worship together.
presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask at this time if the ushers would make their way this morning. As we get ready to take up our morning tithes and our offerings as they are making their way this morning. As many of you know, last Sunday we uh, took in some new folks to be part of the membership of this body of believers. uh, And we love that. But some of them were sick and were not able to be here. So I'm just going to ask Ms. Nina if she'll come and stand beside me this morning. Uh, we have covered all these uh, questions in class. I'm not going to make it repeat, but if you'll just come stand by me, Ms. Nine, I just want them to see your beautiful face today. Ms. Nine was so excited about joining our body of believers last week, but she got sick last week and was not able to be at church, just had some sinus-type stuff, and she just didn't want to expose anybody at church or them to feel uncomfortable. So she watched online, and we already covered these book, uh, the questions uh, for membership in our class that we took, um, but we took all the others in. But this morning, I want to formally, before this body of believers, introduce you to our other member that didn't get to join last week, Miss Nina. So after we do our tithes and offerings, and we bring our tithes and offerings and meet and greet, if you'll just welcome her this morning uh, as a part of our new membership. Uh, a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, pray for Sister Jennifer. She is sick today. As you can tell, we're missing a third part on the praise team. And our saxophone player, she got sick today with migraines. And she's kind of de- a little bit debilitated this morning with migraines. If you've ever had a migraine, you know what those are like. They can knock you down pretty quick. So she's sick today. And also, Brother Dennis is here. As you can tell, our bass is not in our band today. It's not that he's not here, but he had to have surgery on his hand. So my band is falling apart this week, so pray that we get healthy again, Um, and so that being said. But I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house. I'm going to pray over this morning's tithes and offering. Immediately following that, we'll go into our meet and greet, and if you're welcome, we have a couple new folks that have joined us today. They've reached out to us uh, on uh, Facebook and on our our, uh, website and email. Brett and his wife are with us this morning. They reached out to us. We're so glad to have you today. Uh, I want you to welcome, welcome them when they, uh, they've got children that are in children's church and all over the place. But when during our meet and greet, please make sure you get a chance to speak to them today as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We glorify you. We magnify your name. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts in every song that is sung, every word that is spoken, and the message that is given. I pray that you would bless this offering we're about to receive. Bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that do not have to give. And there's someone here today who cannot give. We pray today that, Lord, during this offering that maybe they can give, but if one day they can, Lord, let them give because you've been so good to them. Lord, we just pray that you would be with us. Let, uh, let us be in your presence and just make residency with us in this house today. In Christ's name we pray and ask. And everybody together said amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's bring our offering to the Lord today.
back to your seats this morning. Such a festive spirit we have here today. Amen. I love it. I love it when the Bible said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I always love seeing everybody today. We're so glad to see everybody. Brother Chris and Sister Tammy, good to see you all. I didn't get to catch you all this morning, but good to see you guys today as well. Uh, don't We don't have a lot of major announcements today. There are very few. Uh, I just want to remind the senior adults Anybody 55 or older, we'd love to have breakfast with you on Saturday at Hardy's uh, just to hang out. Most of you guys, the reason I can't do it Monday through Friday is because you didn't retire. You just got a different job called grandchildren, and you watch them all the time. So I can't really do that with you. So Saturday is the only day. For all you parents that are here, if you brought children, please take them home. We don't like to keep them. Uh, we love children. In fact, immediately after service, Brother Randy back here is going to give all your children a dozen cookies. That's what we do every Sunday. We go through, how many do we buy a week? How many is it? 16, 16 to 20 dozen cookies a week we go through. We don't make you bake them, praise God, but we give them to you. But we love them, but we don't want them to stay here. This is not, I am not Eli, and your children is not Samuel. They do not live with me. So you take your children home today, but make sure you sign them out in the children's wing back there. Uh, just for safety purposes, we want you to sign them in, sign them out. We want to know where your kids are all the time. They're in good hands. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're like, uh, what is that, all state, like a good neighbor. No, State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm. They're, we're, they're in good hands. We're all good. We're going to be all together. Um, with, with that, uh, if you're joining online, to all our online guests, we want to welcome you. Can we just welcome all our online guests? Uh, we have... We have people watching from Atlanta, Georgia. We have them from uh, Oklahoma today. Uh, we have them in Florida today. We have them in South Carolina. So we have a lot of different folks streaming in today. And so we're so glad, glad and excited to have them. Any information you want to know that's happening at the church, make sure you go to the website, santicirclecog.org. Any of our services you want to hear, you can always watch them online or you can subscribe to the podcast and listen to all of them, all the archived messages uh, and so on and so forth. Let me say to you today uh, that I'm so thankful to have you here today. If you are visiting with us in-house or online, we hope you feel right at home today. Feel free to talk to any of our hospitality team members. Miss Nina that you saw this morning, she's a part of our hospitality team members. Uh, Miss uh, Ann, who's in the back with the nursery, she's a part of that team. We have a lot of people here that are a part of that. Just ask, um, and they'll help you. Brother Storm, who was the usher today, he'll help you. Anybody, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. This time we're going to segue into scripture and prayer. Uh, Brother Randy's going to come lead that. And immediately following that, uh, he's going to sing. So if Sister Barnes' family from Georgia is watching, uh, please make sure you send your ties to 1211 North Highway 52 because I let him sing finally for you today. So he's here today. God bless you. The Lord is good. Over the last several weeks we've been studying in our Sunday school about the house of the Lord. Psalms 84 says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. We are lucky enough to have a wonderful place to worship. The Lord has been good to us. You're warm. You're not cold. Uh, you didn't have to uh, bring in a herd of animals to have to sacrifice on an altar today because the Lord is our sacrifice. Christ died for us. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. 
Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. Who, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, and rain also filleth the pools. And they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. The Lord of hosts blessed the man that trusts in thee. Can you believe it? You know, we talked this morning about praying and believing. We talked about, you know, Put your hand on your car. Some people say that's, you know, stupid. No, it's not. If you believe the Lord can touch it, he can touch it. You're limiting God. He's not limiting it. So if you believe in it, then praise be to God, it'll happen. You just have to have the faith to believe. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the wonderful things you've done for us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for continuing to abide with us. We thank you for this tabernacle of ours, Lord pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us to do what you'd have us to do. Lord, we've asked that you will be with Sister Jennifer this morning who's not feeling well. We'll play with you. Brother Dennis, when he can come back and be on the stage and play the bass, help him to heal quickly. Lord, there are others that are out sick today. I pray that you will be at their bedside. Touch them, lift them up, Lord. Help them to be back in the house of the Lord next week. pray you will continue to help each of us, Lord, take the word that the pastor gives us this morning and use it for thy glory. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
Are you thankful the Lord is great? The Bible said he is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, can you give the Lord just another hand clap of appreciation this morning? Oh, we love you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Let's stand all over the house today. Let's continue with that mindset. We just came out of the Valentine's Day season, and some of you may have gotten flowers or chocolates or various things from someone you love, but I want to tell you today that there is nobody that loves you any more than Jesus Christ loves you. Can I tell you that today? Nobody loves you. The Bible says that He, even before we were formed in our mother's womb, He thought about us and He knew us. The song literally says, if you think about his love and you think about his goodness, for as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. And that's what Jesus did for us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. So let's worship together. We'll think about his love. Will we think about his goodness? We'll think about his grace. Oh, that Father.
And there's no place that your love can be separated from us today. So we declare that today. For I've got a friend. Oh, it's closer than a brother. There is no judgment. Oh, how he loves us. I've got a friend. For he is my strength.
hands lifted all over the house this morning. Let's sing this together. So
Christ our Lord and the body of Christ together said amen. 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 You may be seated if you can. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Hosea chapter number one. The book of Hosea chapter number one. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you once you get it to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, it'll be on your screen. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We have it. We'll have it on the screen to my right and to my left for you today. As you're turning there, also let me mention to you, continue to pray for Brother Jeff Davis. Uh, he is sick today as well. He's battling some some health issues, and so he is sick today, but he's watching online. So, Brother Jeff, I apologize that I did not recognize you earlier uh, in that prayer uh, earlier today, but we're praying for you. Hosea chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse number 2, and then we're going to jump into ver- uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we'll read them together in the midst of the Lord. And when the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go and take for yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has created great, committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went, and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. He said, Say to your brethren, My people, and say to your sisters, my mercy or mercy is shown. And in your, if you're in the King James Bible, it will give you their Greek, or excuse me, their Hebrew name, the Hebrew name of Ami and the Hebrew name of Ruhama. And then he goes on to say, bring charges against your wife. Men, I don't advocate you do that. I promise you, this is free marriage advice from the preacher. Don't ever blame your wife on something. Just don't. Don't put charges on her. You'll regret it. Bring charges against your mother. Bring charges against her. Bring charges for she, Hosea, she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her be put away. This is verse 2 of chapter 2. Let her put away her harlotries from her sight and her adulterous living from between her bosom, lest I strip her naked and expose her to the world as in the day she was born and make her like the wilderness and set her like the dry ground and slay her with thirst. Chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, Go the same woman you kicked out the house. <laughs> Go get her back. Men, this is free again. If you kick her out, it's going to be hard to get her back. I'm just going to let you know that. This is a tough job, tough sled. Okay, don't follow Hosea's plan here. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love that woman again who was loved by a lover and has committed adultery just like the love God has for his children. This is metaphorical. Who looked after other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans? So I, Hosea, bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one half homers of barley. And I said unto her, you will stay with me now many days. You shall not play harlotry anymore, nor shall you have a man. So for two will I be toward you. We've been in a series called Endless Love. Now, the story of Hosea is true in that situation with him and Gomer was an actual verified true story but it was also a teaching story a metaphorical story do you realize Gomer represents us Hosea represents the love of the father how many times in our lives have we turned our back on God after all he has done for us we run from him we blame him we curse him we get angry at him we play a life of sin if you will a a harlotry of sin we, we play the game, but when we need him most, we go back to the shelves and want him to take us back even when we don't want him. 
Sometimes in life, can I tell you, God's love is so endless. I told somebody that this week. There's nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. You may think he's a million miles away, and you may feel like you're the worst person that's ever walked planet Earth, but you can never stop God from loving you. Doesn't matter what you did. He will never stop loving you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach the unadulterated word of God. Speak the words, God, that you would have me say today in the people of, to the people of God. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers therefore likewise. Open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear this word. God, let it make residence in our heart. Father, I commit the words of my mouth to you. and the, I, I commit my willing vessel to be used by you. In Jesus Christ, the name above all names, I pray. The body of Christ together said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to talk to you on the idea of the preacher and the prostitute. You talk about getting a story in town. You go to church on, on Sunday and meet the preacher for the first time, and then you see on Tuesday in the Berkeley Independent that same preacher got caught in a brothel house. That's going to be tabloid material. You can, you can say all you want to, but I'm telling you, if you find uh, this week in the newspaper a preacher that you know got caught in infidelity with the prostitute of town, you're going to know, you're going to read that article. Even if you don't read the rest of the, of the newspaper, that article is going to garner attention. Maybe, maybe uh, you know the pers- both parties involved. Maybe you know the woman and the guy. You know, I don't know. But in our lives, there are times in our lives where we have been asked or have been in uncomfortable situations. Amen? Sometimes you've just been put in some awkward situations, like when your mother-in-law comes over to the house. Amen, men? Come on. gets awkward sometimes. She shows up at the house unannounced, and you're like, oh, I wasn't ready today. I haven't planned for this yet today. You know? Or when the, his mother, ladies, shows up at your house to tell you how your house should look. Awkward. Come on. Amen. Y'all must, all, y'all must never have had to deal with mother-in-laws before. All right. I love my mother-in-law. Today's her birthday. We're going to take her out to lunch after church. She's 25, holding strong. And a couple other numbers in between. But anyway. The point to be made is sometimes in our lives we have been asked strange questions. I have. I've had people walk up to me and ask me questions, and it's, it, it dumbfounded me in the moment. It was so uh, alarming, the question. I'm not going to go here, but I had some of our youth do that to me not so long ago. They were on a softball field and called and wanted the preacher to try to explain to them how to tell one of their softball constituencies about sex. I was not ready for that question. I was driving back from a funeral, and they said, Pastor, um, we really don't know how to answer this. This girl's got some issues, and we need you to help her see the light. And they asked the question, and I thought, I don't know how to see the light right now. I am stunned. I, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, you're going to have to give me five minutes. I'll call you back. And No, I didn't Google an answer. I said, God, what do I say? I was stunned. I, the, the question, sometimes we've had strange requests asked you. I remember... There have been times in my life somebody asked me to do something. I'm thinking, that's the dumbest idea. Why am I doing this? I didn't understand why they asked that. There are some times that I've had to ask people to repeat what they said because I knew good and well there's no way what they said, I thought they said, had to be really what they said. Now, sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I thought they said one thing and they said another, and I thought, oh, good. That's great. There were other times when I validated it. No, they really did say what I thought they said. But I wasn't ready for that one either because it was just so outlandish. Just like yesterday, we came back from our youth retreat and, and with our students, and, and uh, some of us were playing ping pong in the back, and, 
and, and, and they were, some of the students were leaving, and, and Brother Corey had, uh, Madison, she's not here this morning, she's with one of her friends, but uh, she, she was telling him that, that, that Miss Jennifer was cooking dinner, and Miss Jennifer asked Brianna and I if we wanted to come, and I said, I'd love to, but we've already got some things we've got to take care of. And so Brother Corey asked Madison, he said, what is your mother making? And, and she said, stewed chicken. I heard, not stewed chicken, but nude chicken. And I thought, I have never had nude chicken before. I'm interested in that. What kind of bird is that? I have never had that version of chicken before in my life. So I asked Madison, she's cooking what? And she said, stewed chicken. I said, oh, oh, yeah, that sounds wonderful. I didn't know what nude chicken was. If you've ever had it, please tell me. I don't know where I got that from, but that's what I thought I heard, okay? Sometimes in life I hear things, and you may have had the same things you thought, did I really hear that? Did that, did that really, you know, register the same way? Well, when you study the prophets of God, when you study the major and the minor prophets, now, when we say major and minor prophets, we don't mean that some of them were more important than the others. The major prophets are just people that had bigger books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, they wrote longer volumes of work. The minor prophets are people that had shorter, to, you know, volumes of work. They're not less important than the other. But these men sometimes would be asked by God to do, if you will, object lessons or illustrations that seemed outside the box. Let me give you a couple examples. Now, all of these had to do with God trying to show Israel, his chosen people, equating to us. Today, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are kind of like God's chosen people, spiritually speaking. Sometimes God had to do object lessons. Some people, they can hear and, and perceive. Some people are visual learners. Some people want to see an action. And so he would do object lessons. Like one guy by the name of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was asked to lay on his left side a few hours a day for 300 and 90 days to, to represent the iniquity of the tribe of Ephraim. That's kind of weird. The guy just laying in the middle of the street on his left side for six hours a day, just walking by and just laying on the side, waving at you. Can't get up. He's just laying there to represent that. Then he was asked to lay on his right side for 40 days, the number of testing, to symbolize the iniquity of Judah. Then he was asked to prepare baked bread over dried up cow poo. Now, you talk about some weird stuff. If you invite me to your house and ask me to eat bread and I find out that you mixed it with your dog poop, I will not visit your house anymore. I'm just telling you that now, okay? Just telling you, that's just not, that is not holy bread. That's desecrated bread. That is not good, okay? I don't care how many fibers and all kinds of health nut people say it's good for you. I'm not eating that, okay? But Ezekiel baked bread and then... He was told to eat it. Oh, my God. There at that moment, God and I would have had a conversation. God, I've already put my hands in this nastiness and kneaded this bread in dried cow dung. But eating it's a totally different animal. Not sure I'm ready for that yet. I'm not that saved. He shaved his head and his beard. You better know if I come in here bald, it was God. I'm telling you all that today. Outside of hair loss that's genetic, but they say your hair comes from your mama's side. And all my uncle, Brother R, that was the former pastor, that's my mama's side family. They have hair. I don't care if it turns white. Just don't turn loose. Don't care what color it turns. I'm, I'm, like, the old, I'm like the old Pentecostal people, the old holiness people. You know, some of them say, let go. The other ones say, turn loose. I just, don't want, I just want to hold on, Jesus. Just don't let it go. Don't turn loose. Just stay there. Just don't, you know. I have, I'm, I'm, I've been tempted my brother-in-law takes vitamins, apparently these vitamin supplements, to help you not lose your hair. I thought, I need to get in that. 
if that stuff works, I'm going to start taking those multigrains. But Ezekiel is told to shave his head and his beard. I tried to shave my beard or my goatee, but my wife doesn't like it. But I tried. But, I, but he was told to shave it all off and separate it in three different sections. It was supposed to represent the 12, the tribe, to the 12 tribes of Israel things that God wanted to say. He did all these crazy things. But if I ever found one person in the Bible that had the most unusual request by God, it has to, Hosea has to take the gold coin. He has to take the golden belt. He's got to be number one. It's bad enough to eat cow dung and all that stuff. That's bad stuff. But when you're the preacher in town, let's just paint a picture here for a moment. You pastor the church. Your name's on the marquee. It lights up at night. It scrolls in town. You're involved in ministries throughout the community. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody's seen you in town. You've preached at at community revivals. You've preached at district revivals. You've been all over town. And God says, yeah, I'm going to need you to go marry the prostitute. Now, that's a little awkward conversation. You know, I can be honest, before Brianna and I got married, if God would have called me and said, you know, the lady in town in Monk's Corner that's the town prostitute, I want her to be the next first lady of the church. I'm going to, God and I were going to struggle with that conversation. We just would. I can only imagine what Hosea first thought. He had to be like, did I hear that right? Did God really just tell me to go marry a a woman who is well-traveled in town? Is that the kind of wife I really want to be with? I mean, we talk about, when I do, you know, the Simbus and the different pre-marriage counseling class when people want to get married, we always talk, one of the things is, is marriage is a covenant between God and, and even the couple, and, and that, that the marriage is not to be entered into lightly because it, it is the symbolism of God and His relationship with us, but that you're supposed to be faithful and true. That doesn't mean you're always, you're always going to get along. In fact, in a seven-day week, Brianna only gets along with me one out of seven, not because she can't get along with me, because the other six, I can't get along with her because I'm crazy. I annoy her. I stress her out. I told the leadership team last week, I try to just make it to lunchtime not being in trouble. If I make it from the time I wake up to lunch, I feel like it's a successful day if I'm in good grace. Anything after lunch, I'm living in bonus land. It's great. Some of you men here have been in that before. But the reality of it is, Hosea's thinking to himself, I already know she's got a reputation of being unfaithful. It's not like we got married, we were high school sweethearts, and everything was perfect from the start, and I got stunned. I already know she's been all over town. And now I'm going to bring her in and hope she just stops this life. What an interesting conversation. So I started thinking about some of the players involved. Let's talk about some of them. The first person I thought about is the preacher, Hosea. Could you imagine his thought processes? I mean, could you put yourself, if you could, just for a moment in Hosea's shoes? His name, Hosea, comes from the word Yeshua that means Savior. Savior. Yeshua. Savior. It is also the same root word where we get another name, Joshua, and a name you may or may not have ever heard of, Jesus. Same root word. Hosea's name means Savior. And so God asked the Savior to go redeem the lost. Anybody ever had that happen in your life before? Where God sent a Savior... When you didn't even know you needed a Savior, but God sent you a Savior so that when you realized that you needed a Savior, one was already provided for you before you even knew you needed one. 
Gomer didn't see Hosea coming. The Bible said God sent the Savior to Gomer. The Bible tells us nothing can separate me from the love of God. That means I may not always know how to find Jesus, but Jesus always knows how to find me. I may not always know how to get to Jesus, but when I can't get to him, he can come to me. The, the old songwriter said, when I could not get to where he was, he came down to me. I couldn't go to heaven because I was a sinner, but heaven came down and glory filled my soul because he was wounded for my transgression and bruised for my iniquity and the chastisement of my peace was upon him and by the stripes I've been made whole I'm telling you we have got a savior and his name is Jesus his name is Jesus Hosea he was told to minister to 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel known as the northern kingdom Asher, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Issachar, Manasseh, Naphtali, Reuben, Simeon and Zebulun he was told to speak to them but the most of his Writings focused on the iniquity of the people in the tribe of Ephraim. Hosea lived in violent times. They had had four kings that had been killed in a 25-year span. So you're talking about every five to six years, a new changing of the guard. Sounds like Church of God preachers. Oh, I didn't say that out loud. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I hope I don't lose my credentials for saying that. Lord, help me. But it happens in church world all the time. You got these guys, I call them the circuit riding preachers of Pentecost. I'm just, I, I'm, I feel secure in my job, so I'm just going to preach today to you. I don't know how people can really get to know a church if they don't stay long enough to even know the people in the church. If you only stayed there about two years, I sure don't know how you're doing much good because you didn't even have time to even get your feet wet and know everybody in town yet real good. But you got what I call the circuit ride preachers. They're here about two to three years, and then they're off to the next church. And then they're there about two to three years, and they're off to the next church. They should have been an evangelist, not a preacher or a pastor, because they don't know where they want to stay. You see, the reality of it is Israel is going through these kings at an alarming rate. The people would go into war. They'd come out of war, go right back into war. No one was safe in the streets. Murderers and rapists and all things were plaguing the nations. Hosea lived in wicked times. Boy, that could be equivalent to today, right, preacher? After Solomon died, the kingdom was divided into northern and southern kingdoms. They rebelled against the leadership. They didn't want to pay taxes. They didn't want to serve God the same way anymore. The people began to worship the Baal gods and, and offer sacrifice to idols. They would bring prostitutes to church in that time period and have them standing on the front door. They were known as temple prostitutes to church, and they would actually have them be part of the worship service. You could go buy yourself services before you went into church. Come on now. I don't know any right-minded person thinks it's okay for you to promote sin at the house of God because Jesus said his house is supposed to be a house of prayer. Now, if you're in sin and you come here, you're at the right place. We can help you with that. But we shouldn't be promoting from behind here your sin and condemning, I mean, and condoning your sin. The problem I have in the most church world today, I won't say all churches, there are some that obviously I do believe are still doing a good job. There, there are a lot, I guess I should say. But there are some that there's too many people that have become propagandized to the gospel of Jesus Christ that too many people are standing behind this sacred lectern condoning the sin rather than pointing out the sin because they're afraid people are going to leave their church, the tithe dollars are going to walk out the back door, or some family's going to get disgruntled. I'm telling you, the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. Anytime 
drive any place, anywhere. You can write it. You can tweet it. You can Facebook. You can hashtag this preacher. You can never come back to this church again. But I'm telling you, if you think I'm going to stand behind this lectern and I'm going to condone your sin uh, and I'm going to just say you're okay and I'm just going to say, oh, don't worry about it. And you can shack up with whoever you want to. You can cuss out anybody you want to. You can dope up with anybody you want to. You can drink. You got another thing coming. Hell will freeze over, church, because the Bible said the righteous are going to stand and God's going to have a remnant. I'm not standing before God with blood on my hands. I don't care who says they're apostle, prophet, preacher, teacher. If they don't preach the entire word of God from Genesis to Revelation and every sin in between it, you need to find you another church. You need to find you another teacher. You need to find you another instructor because a lot of people are going to end up in hell for the false doctrine with itching ears. They will turn aside to fables. I'm telling you, God's word is true. Let God's word stand and every man be a liar. Let every man be a liar. Hosea's in a predicament. God's plan was crazy. He didn't know what to do. You know, can I tell you that even in the midst of crazy times, God always has a plan. You say, Pastor, our world right now is going to hell in a handbasket. It's it's awful. It's horrible. Yeah, it's not the best. I'll tell you that. It's not the best. But God's still got a plan. And you may not see the plan. You may not understand the plan. You may not always get the plan. But he's got a plan. The Bible said from the foundations of time he formed me and fashioned me and knitted me together in my own womb. Jeremiah 20 11 says for I have plans for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope and a future. The Bible is very clear. He is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. He oversees time. He, super, he supersedes time. The Bible said he can make the plowman overtake the reaper. He can make the harvest come quicker than you can plant the seed in the ground. I'm telling you the best thing you can ever do is not worry about what's happening at Pennsylvania Avenue and what's happening in Washington D.C. It's time to get off Facebook, put your face back in the book, and get on your knees before God and said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Help us. Don't let me fall away. Don't let me be a part of the great apostasy of the church. God, help me to be strong in these last days. Over the last couple weeks, we have seen all across this nation revivals that are spurring and breaking out all these different campuses around the world and around the United States. It started, well, I say started, the most headline news was Asbury College in, in Kentucky. Two weeks ago, some group of students went to their normal required chapel service. They were required to go to chapel there as a part of the, of the uh, requirements for graduation. They went to their chapel service on Wednesday morning. They broke out into singing and worship and a prayer meeting, and they just never left. They're still there. They're just rotating shifts, and people keep coming in, going out, people traveling from all of their other states coming around. Well, a group of students in Cleveland, Tennessee at Lee University, at the Church of God School, decided, well, why, why is it only in Kentucky? Why can't it be in Cleveland? So they had chapel last week on Wednesday, and they started praying, God, why can't we experience that same outpouring of your spirit? And by Friday of last week, they were in full. People coming in, college students, listen to what this pastor said, college students coming in at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning and laying on the altar and praying and weeping before God. Instead of sleeping, instead of being at the bar, instead, instead of going down to, to different places and having a social life there at 3 o'clock in the morning, got to be at class at 8 o'clock, but they're laying before God in a chapel just with music playing over the overhead speakers. There's no worship band. It's just music playing, but they're weeping and praying before God. Well, there was one, there's one in Ohio that, that starts spunning off. There's churches that are now going into spontaneous revival. 
Bible Church in Savannah, Tennessee. They just had a church last Sunday, and it was great. So they decided to have Sunday night church. It was great. So they decided to have Monday night church. It was great. And they're still every night having revival. They've baptized over 60-something people already, seen almost 100 people come to know Jesus Christ. I mean, revival is spreading out everywhere. I thought to myself, sitting in my chair this week, God, why does it have to be in Cleveland? Why does it have to be in Kentucky? Why does it have to be in Savannah, Tennessee? Why can't it come to Berkeley County? Why can't it come to Santee Circle? Why can't it come to this community? We've got drug addicts out here. We've got prostitutes out here. We've got lost sons and daughters. We've got grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I don't, I'm not trying to say this to sell, a, sell you a bill of goods, but why can't it be your grandchildren praying in the altar? Why can't it be your son or daughter in an altar? Why can't it be us? Oh, God, let us experience your glory. Let us experience your power and presence. God's always got a plan in crazy times. Even in the middle of chaos, God had a preacher. He had a preacher. I mean, John the Baptist was not exactly a normal man either. But he preached the word of God. I mean, when you're eating locusts and wild honey and dressed up in camel's hair, most people think you're a little nuts. If I showed up next Sunday in a toga and I was eating like, you know, country fried cockroaches or something, you'd think this preacher has lost his mind. Y'all would be like, what happened to him? Whatever those youth did to him the previous weekend messed him up. John the Baptist preached the word. But then we find Hosea is faced with a problem. God knew that Ephraim had sinned. God could have wiped him out. But can I tell you God's plan is not to always get rid of the problem. It's to reform us through the problem so that we get into his presence. God's not going to always just take you out of your problems. He's going to use those problems to refine you to be more like him through the process. If you ever have the opportunity to research, go out. I don't want to take it for time's sake. Go research how they do, how they purify gold and silver. It's a refinement process. It just don't come out pure. It takes work. It's heated up. It's, 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 there's a lot of elements. Sometimes in life, God's going to let you be under duress. He's going to let you be under the heat and pressures of life. He's going to let you be under fire. But what it's going to do is all the impurities are going to rise to the top. And God's going to skim it through the blood of Jesus Christ. All that sin and filth because those problems and those fiery trials of life are going to make you more like him in the process. When the gold person, when the person that's making the gold the, is looking at it, the goldsmith, he's looking at it. When he knows the gold is the right consistency, it's when it's reflective and he can see his image. It's the same way with God. God, we are more like God than we should be so close that when God looks at us, he can see himself reflected in our lives. We've made it. You see, the word of God teaches us that God was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not looking for the opportunity to remove us out of his sight, but he's giving us opportunities to restore us in his presence. What a thought. You see, Moses Moses posed the attitude, or many, excuse me, not Moses, many, many posed the attitude, you did me wrong once, shame on me. Or shame on you, do me wrong twice, shame on me. See, the reality of it is we all mess up. We all, we all mess up. Some of you messed up today. You may not want to admit it, but some of y'all messed up before you got to church today. Some of y'all messed up before you even brushed your teeth. Some of y'all may have messed up till when you leave here after hearing this message. But the reality of it is, is what if God was like this? What if God was like, oh, first time, you know, shame on you. Second time, shame on you. What if God, after our first mess up, said, oh, that, yeah, if you mess up again, I'm done. But he doesn't. He gives us many chances. He lets us come back to him. Day after day, week after week. You see, there was a grieving husband. There was a grievous wife. There was 
an ill-felt husband. There was an ill-famed wife. There were ill-named children. I mean, this whole story is a, is a messed up story. You talk about a dysfunctional family. This is dysfunctionality at its finest. I mean, could you imagine those kids having to go to school and telling them that their mom was a prostitute? I mean, you know, that's not like what you want. What, is your, what does your dad do for a living? Oh, he's a preacher. Well, what is your mom, where does your mom work? Oh, she doesn't work in a hospital. She's in um, human resources. She's in services. What kind of service? Um, domestic travel. Like she's a flight attendant. Oh, she flies around, uh, not on a plane, but she's out and about. She's, uh, well, what does she do? Um, well, my mom runs a lucrative business. Um, you know, she pays her tithes at church and stuff, but um, she runs a, you know, a house. Oh, so she's like the cleaning service. No, not exactly. Um, you know, who wants to say their mom's a prostitute? I mean, that would be awkward. But that's the third part of this story. How do you get away from who she is? What if God looked at us and he always looked at us the way everybody else condemned us to be too? Because in town, everybody's looking at Hosea and his children going, Oh my God, that's Hosea's wife. That's that, that woman that's traveling. You know who she is. She's been with every guy in town. You know, what if God always equated us by our sin rather than by the redemption of Jesus Christ? What if instead of the blood of Jesus Christ washing away our sin, God said, yeah, but you're still an adulterer. You're still a liar. You're still a cheater. You're still a, a gossiper. You're still a, you know, a de- deceiver. What if God still called us by our sin rather than our redeemed name? See, it doesn't matter. See, Gomer was obviously well liked in town. That wasn't a good accolade. She was not a good cook. She was not a good stay-at-home mom. She didn't, you know, show this good motherly and good wife instinct. You know, you want to know what Gomer's claim to fame was? Well, let me tell you. She's easy. You want a good time? Call Gomer. Best of all, she's cheap. Isn't that what sin's like? Hey, man, come on with us. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good time. Sin will make you think it's a good time. Sin will make you think. It ain't really that expensive. It ain't that big of a deal. It's a little sin. What's a little sin going to do to you? It's easy to sin. It's not that hard. But sin will take you further than you want to go. And it's going to cost you a lot more than you want to pay. And it'll leave you in place. the prodigal son. It'll leave you in places longer than you ever thought you'd ever stay. Sin's not. It plays, it's not playing a game. It's playing for keeps. Sin's not for fun. It's for eternity, friend. Eternity. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in my life. I don't need to know, but I know one who does, and that's the Lord. Look at what he does. She knew the rumors, but Hosea fell in love with her. God told him to. It wasn't so much her lifestyle that he loved, but he knew God obviously saw something he didn't see. Hosea knew the rumors. He knew the facts, but he still chose to love her anyway. Jeremiah 3 and 14 says that God is married to the backslider and does not quit on anyone. And thank God for that because I once was the backslider that he had to stay married to because I made choices. God knew our sin sickened condition. He knew that we needed his Savior, so he still chose to marry us. Even though God knew that I still would mess up, he still was willing to stay married to us. So there's this predicament. Hosea takes her. We'll talk about this. But Hosea, he was in a catch-22. If I take her as my wife, I followed the voice of God. 
but at what cost? Because I've got to explain that to my mom and my dad. I've got to go stand before the church council. I've got to explain it to the church leadership team. I've got to explain it to my boss. I've got to explain it to all my friends in town. I, I, I'm going to have a lot of questions going to be asked. If I don't take her, I don't have to deal with all this. But I didn't follow the voice of God. I want you to hear this preacher. I'm almost finished. But too many people are more worried about what this crowd has to say than what he has to say. There are a lot of preachers, prophets, self-proclaimed evangelists and teachers and propaganda preachers that will tell you what you want to hear because they want you to stay in this crowd. They'll tell you what you want to hear because they want this crowd. But when this crowd and this God are not on the same page, this group of people gets a lot smaller than that section over there. These sections together are not so bad when they agree, but once it gets a little sketchy, this crowd stays pretty large, but the inner circle that follows the Lord gets a lot smaller and a lot tighter a lot quicker. Can I just tell you this morning that every church does not have the presence of God in it? You can hate the preacher for what I'm about to say. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm sorry. I have to stand before God. Just because they say church doesn't mean God actually stays there too. In fact, anybody, when they leave church, the church is just a building. This building could burn down, slap to the ground between this, this morning service and tonight's service. And that doesn't mean we lost our church. We lost our building. We're the church. We're the temple of God. Present your body as a holy sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. This reasonable act of service. Your temple is the body of the Holy Spirit. This place could burn, slap to the ground. I say, hey, meet me at Waffle House. We still can have church because we're the church. This is a building. The reality of it is there's a lot of people that have church plastered on their doors, but when people walk in, are their lives being changed? Oh, they might be changed, but not by Jesus. They have itching ears. They want to be told what they want. They want to be condoned. They want their sin to be condoned. They want to feel just good and butterflies and warm, fuzzy feelings. The reality of it is some of those churches actually have the word Ichabod. The presence of God has departed from this house. It's gone. I never want it to be said by God when he walks by 1211. Highway 52, I never want him to walk by and say, I'm just, I can't stay there. It's too, how my spirit can't condone that. And he writes Ichabod over the doorpost of this house. I'm not talking about just this building. I'm talking about us as a lot of you believers. I don't want, when we come here, we come for a series of meetings. The last couple of weeks, we've had wonderful services. We've sometimes not even had preaching because God moved, and that's great. I don't want to go to church for just status quo. I love being a part of the family of God. I love worshiping with you. But I never wanted to come to church and it become mundane. I don't want this to become a country club where our tithe offerings becomes just more of like a country club dues waiting for the preacher to give us chicken dinner at the repast service when one of our loved ones dies. No, I want people to get saved. I want people to feel Jesus. I want people's lives to be changed I want marriages put back together I want homes to be restored I don't care if nothing else happens If if one person comes to know Jesus Everything we've done was worth it all It was worth every bit of effort Hosea had a choice to make What do I do? Hosea 2 and 6 It says therefore I will hedge up thy way with thorns And make a wall and she'll not find her path Hosea knew that his wife might be allured by the things. He tried to stop her from leaving. God has tried to give us roadblocks from hell. Hosea tried to use the draw of being a mother and his, her kids. He said, plead with your mother. We read it. Plead with her. 
She's not my wife and I'm not her husband, but beg her to stay. And it made no avail. In Gomer's case, she left behind three kids, a loving husband at home for a fun night on the town with men she did not know. She desired nothing. She was desired for nothing more than her services. Those men in town didn't care about her. They just wanted her for a good night's one night stand. That's all they wanted. She fell in the hands of a wrong person one day. In today's society, we would call them a pimp. He found her. He said, I'll take care of you. What he did is he put her on an auctioning block. Go read it. And he has all the men in town come to bid. But can I tell you, even when the devil is trying to send it to you, to your final state, God is speaking on the other end of the on the other end of the line, and He's already making a way where there seems to be no way. Even when it looks like the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise the standard against him. Even when it don't look good, God's already making His way on the journey. Here's what happens, Miss Carol, as you make your way. We see the promise of God. How do you say that, preacher? Gomer had chose a lustful, lewd, and lascivious life. She had known every man. Hosea had had to learn to be a single father, raising three, raising children all by himself. One day in his prayer time, in his study, in his office at the house, with the bleeding of baby cooing in the back and with kids running around the house, Hosea begins to pray, God, what do I do? And you know what? He heard God's voice again. And I believe Hosea had to be like the first time. I did not hear that right, God. Say what? Say that one more time. I don't think I got this right. Because the same God that told him to marry the prostitute that he knew was going to end badly and probably told God many times since then, God, I married her and look what happened. Now my name is smeared throughout town, my reputation, and she still left me and I'm holding, holding a bag of nothing. She's still gone. What do you do? When God and Gomer walk out of your life, or so it seems, what do you do? Hosea's like, I don't know what else to do. God said, I want you to go find her. Now, I would have been like, God, look, I already took a step of faith and married her, and everybody in town said it was a bad idea. And look at where that got me. My reputation is shot. My credibility is shot. The people thinking I was a, character, a good judgment of character. All that's shot. Now you want me to do it again? No way, God. What if you're just one more answer away saying yes to God for your breakthrough, but you got tired of what everybody else was thinking about it, so you said no to God one time short? What if you said no? God had it. He was ready to do something supernatural. But you said no one step too quick instead of yes to his plan. Hosea said, I can't believe this. What he didn't know is across town. Five dollar, five dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, ten dollar. She's being auctioned as a slave. Go back and read. She was actually being sold for pennies on the dollar like she was a slave. He navigates streets. He doesn't find her. He knocks on doors. He doesn't find her. But he doesn't stop looking. Can I tell you, even when you thought you were lost, God kept finding. He kept looking for you. Like that lost sheep, the shepherd's still looking for you. Navigated, navigated, he navigated. Sister Glenda, he passes down, he sees a dark alley and kind of just glances and he keeps walking, but he hears 
voices at the end of the alley and he thinks oh God that's downtown Charleston I'm not going down there at night that's sketchy but he sees lights at the end and he brother Randy's he tries to walk further away sister Tina it's like the spirit of God kept just kind of pulling at him like but come back and he comes back he looks down that alley again and at the end of the alley the dark shadows he hears those voices instead of running from the sinner the Bible said Hosea, Yeshua, the Savior, ran towards. <laughs> You'll get this when I'm where I'm about to go. When Jesus found us, he wasn't ashamed of us and he didn't care what everybody else thought of him. The Savior didn't run away from you, but he's been ever since running after you. That's what love is all about. He's constantly been pursuing you. He never ran from you. He's been trying to run to you. You might be running, but he's trying to chase you. And he gets to the end of the aisle this girl with her head in shame tears streaming down her face malnourished standing there in humiliation people began to one dollar one dollar two dollars and they began to offer money she's bruised she's broken she's emaciated she's naked somebody says five ten nothing Can I get five shekels? Nobody says anything. Come on, guys. Ten shekels. Come on, somebody. Somebody finally says ten, whatever. Going once. Going twice, Brother Chris. Before Hosea knew what he said, he screamed out, Fifteen shekels! And that word changed the moment. Because this bruised, broken, emaciated, shame-filled woman, her complexion changed. The tears that streamed down her face from embarrassment, she gets a furrowed brow and a puzzled look because she recognized the voice in the crowd. It wasn't another pimp. It wasn't another man. It was her husband. And she lifts her head. And tears this time stream down, but they're streaming down thinking, why? After all I've ever done to you, Hosea, why? Why would you walk in here? Why would you pay more than the asking price for me? The auctioneer's thrilled. He says, great! And he throws her to the crowd. But don't miss the story. The Bible said Hosea goes to her. She's still standing there emaciated, naked, and humiliated at the front of the stage. No doubt she's looking with tear-filled eyes thinking to herself why would you do that and the Bible said Hosea took his coat Brianna come here and when he saw her the whole crowd's watching him but instead of going you dirty dog he wasn't worried about reputation anymore he wasn't worried about prestige anymore he took his own garment and as a symbolism before everybody there he once and for all said I love you and the Bible said he wrapped her in his cloak and he took her by the hand and he said you won't live this life anymore for where you go now on I go remember what Naomi and Ruth said where you go he said to Gomer he said I'm going with you I don't care what you've ever done I don't care where you've ever been I'll go with you You don't have to worry about having to work again. You don't have to worry about begging for money again. You have a safe place. I go 
with you. You'll be mine and I will be yours. Can I tell you that's what Jesus did for you and I? When all the world, when the devil was ready to throw you to the wolves, Jesus took the robes and he traded garments of sin, filthy rags, and he gave us garments of praise for spirits of heaviness. And he let the whole world know by dying on Calvary's cross, you can think anything you want to about me. But Jesus met us at an altar. He met us somewhere and he grabbed us by the hand and he said, where you go, I go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'll not abandon you no matter what the world calls you. They can call you anything they want to but I love you with a love written in crimson red I love you I will always be there you can I tell you church there's no greater love than what Jesus Christ did no matter what you've done no matter what sin you've committed don't let the devil tell you any different God came by today to tell you and for me to remind you that he loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you church he loves you he loves you. So here's my question. Do you love him back? I once was lost in sin. Jesus took me in. And then a light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and it wrote my name above. Because just a little talk with Jesus will make it right. We sang it as the hymn this morning. God's love, when he wrote his love in my heart. See, I love Brother Larry. I love Brother Randy. I, I love Sister Carol. I love all of you in here. And I love you and would do anything for you, but not like I love her. But can I tell you that even as much as I love her and as much as we love each other, nobody loves you like that man loved you. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and was willing to give himself for her. No greater love can any man have than one who's willing to lay down his life for a friend. There will no one will ever love you like Jesus. So today, here's my prayer, and we're going to dismiss the close. I wonder if anybody today would just say in their heart, answer the question, but do I love him that same way? Am I willing, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how bad, but, but do I love him that much? Maybe someone in here would, add, would say, Pastor, I... I don't know Jesus, my Lord and personal Savior, and I want to know that man who loved me so much. Maybe you don't feel like you're where you need to be with the Lord. Maybe you feel saved, but you just kind of drifted a little bit, and you want to get closer to him, and you don't want to be on the, the gomer chopping block of life, but you want to feel the love of Jesus' arms wrapped around you. I don't know. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask this question. I wonder if anybody would just say this morning, preacher, you pray for me today. I don't need to know the reason. I just want to pray for you. you just, is anybody today that says, this sermon, Pastor, I've thought about it, and the words you've spoken, I just want you to pray for me today. If that's you, we just lift your hand. Just preach or pray for me today. God bless you. Oh, some are coming. Praise the Lord. If you want to come, by all means, please come. Are there any others? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. While you remain in the spirit of prayer. I'm going to ask those that will, if they'll come help me pray. There's a, some that have come. I just need some that are willing to pray. If you'll come join me in this altar and pray for my dear sister this morning who stepped up today and said that she wants to be prayed for. Will you, will you join me? Those that can, will you join me? And then at the end, we're going to anoint a prayer cloth, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But can we pray together, together? Let's pray together. Father, Lord.
Cincinnati, that's where they wanted to go, was one of the top one of the top uh, children's hospitals to help with that. We had been wanting to get in there. We called them. We've been on the phone with them. We've called them multiple times. They said it could be months. Just three to six months on a waiting list. We had somebody that had a connection in Atlanta. We called while we were, I think it was on Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday this past week, we called them and they were working on it. While we were on the phone with the representative from Emory Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, a Cincinnati number comes across the telephone. And Brooke, Mason's mother, answers the phone and she said, I don't know how to explain this to you, but we ended up having a cancellation. And though we have a waiting list, a lot of the other people due to travel restrictions and things like that can't come. But if you can get here next week, we'll get your baby in. So they started booking flights. That ain't the end of the story, church. Brooke's already been out of work for over a month just because she's had to stay at home because the baby can't go to daycare because it has to have enemas done routinely. They're going to have to stay in Cincinnati for over a month, like a Ronald McDonald-type house because the baby's going to have to have surgery and different different things to do that. So there's no money. So Brooke reached out to me and she said, Pastor, I don't hate to ask people, and I, it bothers me, but you... I started a GoFundMe page, not because we're desperate, but we've got a lot of expenses there to come up with this. And I don't know what else to do. My mom, or my stepmom, is a machine, and my dad, Ray, they're doing all they can, but I, I don't know what else to do. So she said, would you share it? So I shared it on the church page. I shared it on my page. I gave to it. Others gave. She first put $600 was her goal, then she moved it up to thirty uh, to $1,500. Well, by Friday afternoon, it was already at like over almost $4,000, so even a super city, that's great. That's not the end of the story. Somebody caught wind of it. They own a big company. They had recently sold their business out. They retired. So they called us. They said, what can we do? And we just said, well, right now we're just using, you know, that family needs prayers, etc., and so on. And they called Brother Ray. They knew Brother Ray, and they called him and said, well, Ray, and he said, look, I don't know. We've been praying for a miracle. I don't know. And I told Sister Jeannie not so long ago, I said, I want God to do something that Ray and Brooke cannot they cannot but say it was a God moment. They, they can't deny it. Deny it. It was God. 
the guys say, well, I just want to, I don't do like internet, Facebook, I don't do GoFundMe stuff, so what I'll, I'd like to just give you, you know, something towards it, you know, so I'll, I'll have a check for you at my office in the morning, just swing by and pick it up, I just want to be a part of his journey, I don't want him to, I want to say that I was a part of the journey. Brother Ray went the next morning and picked up the check, the check was for $10,000. Don't you tell me he can't do it. But I believe that even if it takes Cincinnati's hospital, God can go to Cincinnati when I can't get there. And God can do. If you've never had a baby or you've never had a child, you don't understand this. But children, there's just something about when you have a baby. And they're your flesh and blood. There's just something about them. But I'm telling you, God was willing to give us his only son. So I know children are important to God. He taught all about the kingdom of heaven through through children. I'm believing that Cincinnati, when this is all said and done, they're going to say, I don't know how to explain this, but but somebody else, who was the specialist y'all went to see? Who y'all been talking to? And they say, we haven't seen anybody. Well, yeah, y'all seen somebody because things look, I believe the specialist of all specialists can get to Cincinnati before they ever fly out tomorrow. I believe God can get to Cincinnati before they ever land tomorrow. So as you stand all over the house, before we dismiss in prayer and Brother Randy closes, I'm going to pray over this prayer cloth and give it to Sister Jeannie and then Brother Randy will segue and pray after me. Heavenly Father, God, I believe that you are truly a healer, a deliverer, a sustainer. You are a portion, our helper, and our strength in time of weakness. God, I pray over this cloth today that you go to Cincinnati, Ohio, and you be ready when Brooke and them land. You be ready for Mason when he drives to that hospital and every doctor that works on him, every nurse, every GI specialist, they might think that they're just educated and super smart, but God, there's another physician in the room that's doing things nobody else in the room can do. I want God you to reveal to Ray and Brooke and Brandon and that family. I want them to see the hand of God move so they can't discredit it. They can't denounce it. They can't deny it. It was not man, but it was only by the power. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God that it's done. And I believe that, God, today you can do that. So, God, go before them in this moment. Father, may you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts till we come again. Let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. In Christ's name. And as you remain in a spirit of prayer, Brother Randy is going to pray. And immediately following his prayer, you're free to be dismissed. God bless you. I love you, Brother Randy.